podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, quick question for you. Have you started playing daily fantasy yet? And if not, why not? Because if like me, you're already given up on the fantasy team that you drafted at the start of the season because it's doing so badly, then check out our brand new daily fantasy listener league, courtesy of DraftKings, because it could be the game for you. It's all very simple. You pick a brand new team every week based uh, on a salary cap. You enter that team into one or more of our show contests and you try and win all kinds of prizes. We've got merchandise, tickets and good old fashioned cash to give away. And more importantly than all of that, you can embarrass me, Propo, the Guru Sandrini and lots more of your show faves by showing us that you know a lot more than we do. So click the link in our show notes or hit us up on social media for a link and that way you can join the show league. It's free to enter and as well as the pay to play contest, there are going to be free to enter competitions all through the season. You have to be 18 plus, of course. And remember, begambleaware.org. Mike, aka Fun Show. <laughs> I, I, I like to have a good time, and and this this was the weekend for it because um, I was preoccupied with South Dakota State beating North Dakota State forty five twenty one in Frisco. Biggest game of the year. Biggest game of the year. National championship. You know, forget the one tonight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this, yeah. This, this was the big Second one. Tip. But you know, but we got we got to the NFL. NFL games and you know and obviously the the shadow of of Demar Hamlin was was hanging over them but it wasn't it wasn't a you know a, a shadow is the wrong word to use because the the story was positive you know yeah. they, um he woke up uh, regained consciousness first thing he said was did we win uh, you know and, <laughs> and that, that. that's like 3 days after the after the game but um I think the one thing that I don't know what went on in preseasons and sorry, in pregame ceremonies around the league and stuff like that. But, you know, the Bills trainer, Danny Kellington, and I wrote on my Patreon column a long piece about the injury and the NFL's reaction and, and comparing it for, to a number of other sports and injuries. And Christian Erickson was one of them, mm-hmm. you know, and when you read the story about how Christian Erickson's life was saved, you know, first, first by the trainer and, and then by the two on-site doctors who were brothers. One was the team doctor and the other one was the uh, stadium doctor, mm. you know, and, and their response saved his life. And I think Danny Kellington, the, the trainer of the Bills deserves, you know, just an awful lot of credit for, for the job that he did, you know, in, in say, in literally say, saving DeMar's life by, yeah. by doing the proper response at, at first. And, you know, um, I think, I, I complain sometimes that we don't just call them trainers anymore. They have to be athletic trainers, but maybe yeah. they should be called first responders, you know, because sure. that's what they are. Well, they were definitely celebrated at Buffalo. And as, as you suggest, all around the league, there was a celebration. It was life affirming and it could have been an, an altogether different situation. And and thank God it wasn't. So it was brilliant to see. Um, I particularly like the... Um, the shirts, the t-shirts that many most people were wearing on the sidelines. Presumably, Lovey Smith didn't need to, uh, didn't need to be had when he had his own. He just customized his own there. Uh, so it was great to see and and a, and a fantastic end to a, a troubling week. Um, I, that was great to see. The other thing I particularly enjoyed, I think, out of everything on the final Sunday of uh, the regular season, was Joe Mixon's 
celebration, which I think automatically, <laughs> coin in the glove, that's for me, Mike, automatic top five. Straight up there with Joe Horn. And, hey, and brother, can, hey, brother, can you spare a dime? <laughs> um, I didn't see whether that was penalized or not. I thought it, you know, and and it didn't seem to be um, from from watching it on Red Zone. But, you know, ever since T.O. and the and the Sharpie, mm. um, you know, I thought that using foreign objects was um was you know a no no for the for the John Maras of the of the NFL who <laughs> who who don't like you know who don't like that kind of stuff and um it, it's funny because I was calling it an international object um based on based on the old WCW days when when Ted Turner told CNN at one point that they had to stop using the word foreign because they were an international news service and you know it was demeaning to to refer to international news as foreign but but it went all through the TBS uh, empire which included wcw wrestling and and sure enough the next week when somebody pulled brass knuckles out of their trunks and started using them jim ross said or maybe it was maybe it was um uh jerry law i don't know i think it was jim ross but you know yeah. but and he's pulled an international object out of his trunk <laughs> <laughs> that was literally the what? first thing i it was literally the first thing i i, I thought of um i love hearing these we, stories of wcw and turner bought it at cnn tower in, in this little pocket this kind of outlier pocket in the corner of cnn oh. Darren, Greg the Hammer Valentine wandering oh, past Jay Tapper. There, 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 there was also guard. there was also this guy, um the, the Jags, again, I didn't see the pre pregame, but somebody, mm. a guy called um, Mike Bove basically tweeted this afterwards. And um, they had a guy called Paul Wayne, the master of the telecaster, doing the national anthem, you know, in in a kind of shredding kind of style as, mm. as they do. But they but Mike Bove said he looks like he jobbed for Arn Anderson in 1995 <laughs> in WCW. And it was true, you know, with with the mullet yeah. and the, and the side, you know, like in in Jack. Jacksonville, Florida, ain't nothing changed since 1995. <laughs> Except the Jags are going to the playoffs. <laughs> that's the one thing that's changed. They've been there more recently than that. I am <laughs> Fun show, Mike, I should say. Right. Speaking of the playoff picture, start with framing the, the wild card weekend as, as it stands. Sure. So yeah. in the in the AFC, as we were suggesting by talking about those three teams, it was the Patriots in control of their destiny. They needed to beat the Bills and they would lock it in. They failed to do that, of course, which opened the door up for the Dolphins, who eked past the Jets, which meant that the Steelers' win was immaterial as far as the, the playoff uh, spots are concerned. So the Dolphins are the one that get that seventh spot, and that means they are on the road to the Bills, the Bills with that win, locking in the number two seed. That is the early game on Sunday. Brian Dable's Giants go to the Vikings. That's the middle game on uh, of the Sunday three. And then it's the Ravens at the Bengals. The Bengals blowing out the Ravens yesterday, although it was a depleted Ravens side. Uh, so I don't read a huge amount into that result of the Bengals absolutely firing. That's the late night game on Sunday night. On Saturday, well, it's the Seahawks that have made it. Similar construct in the NFC. It was the Packers to win. They needed to beat the Lions. They failed to do that. And the Rams, to give the Lions any kind of chance, needed to take down the Seahawks. The Lions, uh, the Rams gave it a good go. But Seattle getting it done and getting the final wildcard spot. They head to the San Francisco 49ers. That's the early game on Saturday. And it's the Chargers Jaguars. The Jags, Mike, taking care of business on Saturday night against Tennessee back in the playoffs for, what, five years? So uh, that is the playoff picture. Final game, of course, is the Cowboys-Bucks on Monday. What? Let's start there, Mike, because the Cowboys were woeful yesterday. And we've said this for quite a long time now, that even though Tampa Bay are clearly not at the races, a home field advantage in the playoffs, they get the right spot. They could 
quite conceivably progress to the divisional round. And this is maybe the the softest spot they could have had, right? I mean, this is a very winnable game for Tampa Bay. I think I think that's right. Um, it wasn't nice of Dak Prescott. He had the most incredible two play series where he tried to give Kendall Fuller an interception and Fuller dropped it, so he came back on the next play. There you go, <laughs> threw, <laughs> threw another one. Here you go. Right. Uh, I think I think you know. There's two either either Dak's been on the ayahuasca. Um, and and Fuller was <laughs> invisible to him, or or he fantasized that he was um, Amari Cooper, and, and you know got got confused there. But um, yeah, I think Dallas, as as usual. I mean, I'm afraid we we say this about Dallas. I've been saying it to Dallas all the time. Dallas is always kind of the epitome of a Jerry Jones kind of. It's a bright, shiny facade, mm. you know. A, <laughs> It's like the stadium, you know, where one where one end of the stadium is falling apart and no one can sit in it because it's going to collapse. That was I know it was a few years ago, but but still the the image remains. Um, you know, they they should be Dallas should be able to beat Tampa. Um, and, but everybody will think that Tom Brady will will turn on a bit more of the the Brady magic. Um, mm. Although we saw that everybody thought Aaron Rodgers would do the same thing um, in the Sunday night game. It's good to see that the Sunday night game was in the coldest place in the United States uh, <laughs> at, you know, at, at nine o'clock at night. Um, I'm surprised Buffalo is not at Miami's not playing Buffalo at night <laughs> um, this this weekend. Um, but I, I don't know if I were if I were setting the line, I would probably be giving Tampa a point and a half, say at home mm. um you know because they've still got to be underdogs in this game they haven't been convincing uh you know their 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 best game plan is to do like the giants and hold the game close and then mm. wait for wait for brady to march the team up the field once or twice in the fourth quarter um which you can do against dallas especially if you can trap digs into you know into a double move that that he bites on or 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 something like that and get the deep the deep catch but yeah apart from brady rediscovering mike evans or vice versa um you know, there's not that much different than what we've been seeing from Tampa. From mm. you know, and and I think it's it's literally a situation where if Dallas can score 24, the game is theirs. The game is done. What is you mentioned the Dak Prescott turnovers again? He's had 11 interceptions in his last seven games. Yeah, he he actually leads the league in interceptions. Yeah, and he only played 12 games. This right, because of because of the injury, of course. So, <clears throat> what is so off there? Why? Because Dak Prescott's typically throughout his career is not known for being a turnover merchant. So, what's going wrong there? That I can't say. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like trying to explain what's wrong with Russell Wilson, but but mm. you can't blame sort of like the continued injuries. You know, where you can say, well, okay, Russ, Russ, maybe he's not as mobile as he was, and it's taken him all season to figure that out, or or taken the Broncos all season to figure that out. With Dak, it's it's like everything looks pretty much the same. It's um. Whether it's he doesn't trust the receivers enough and he's trying to be too accurate and he's waiting that extra second, which is, you know, the Kendall Fuller, the second interception is purely a case of him telegraphing the pass mm. um, and, you know, and maybe not having enough on it. Um, but I, I, that's that's a question I, I can't answer. And, and, you know, you'd have to go back and really study, I, I think drop back after drop back from Dak to see to see what it is. But I guess you could I guess you could look at the receiving core. And you mentioned Amari Cooper, of course. So Gallup hasn't stepped up in the way that no, they wanted. No, not really. It, no. It's not a, the strongest core going into the, the playoffs by any stretch. I mean, CeeDee Lamb's been 
stand out and Schultz is a decent tight end, but there's very little beyond that. I know they add, added T.Y. Hilton. He's had a couple of big plays, but he hasn't had uh, any kind of uh, consistent contribution yet. So there's a fair argument to say that Dak doesn't have enough around him at this that, level. That's possible. I mean, I mean, it's true to an extent. And, and I think one of the things is that he's chafed a little bit, not, not, publicly or obviously but per, but perhaps just in playing style again you know instinct say cuz they basically did a pretty good job of simply sticking him back in to the Cooper Rush game plans that they had which were mm. fairly conservative you know designed not to make Rush's life difficult if they could avoid it you know um and i think that that may be a may be a factor in this that the dak is looking to make the bigger plays and and not being able to deliver on those whether you know whether it's because of him or because his his receivers are letting him down you can you can argue about but you know from the cowboys point of view with that run game and mm. this is kind of what we say about the Packers as well. But with that run game, they really ought to be able to work a play action game with Dak and and you know give him give him safer controlled throws more more of the time and and avoid that temptation for the big flashy big flashy play which which Jerry you know so so loves. Mm. Okay, that is. Um... That is, I think, one of the wide open games in in the playoffs. Before we look at some of the others, as you mentioned, uh, as you mentioned the Packers, I want to ask you about the inevitable hype rumor mill in full effect around and after the Lions game. So people were looking at how Rogers came onto the field with Randall Cobb and we're trying to read into he was embracing Cobb, had his arm around Cobb. It looked a poignant moment. Bear in mind, this could be quite conceivably Randall Cobb's final season because he's, what, 39 years old or whatever. And then the way he looked, a wistful look around the stadium afterwards as they as the game ended and the end of, end of the season, of course, for the Packers. And then reading into his comments in the press conference, which are pretty much where I'm just going to take time and, and take stock, which is par for the course of any veteran quarterback over the age of 35 in every press conference. Any, any veteran player. Yeah. I mean, player, yeah. right. Sure. Sure. But, but, but what do you think? Do you think Rogers has played for the last time in green Bay? In green Bay, perhaps. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, it's such a soap opera and he's such a soap opera actor. I mean, he really should, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, if he were still with an actress, um, you know, he should really should have moved to LA and got a, job on general hospital or something like that dr rogers dr rogers hand me the scalp that's not a scalp jeez oh, oh god what am i gonna do uh, you know that that of course kind of, he's daytime soap of course he is yeah that. of course he is that that's exactly uh, and i i just want to get in i should have said this at the top of the show and i Please. apologize for my south dakota state kind of um um celebration mm. the, the the week the weekend began and ended with two of my favorite plays. It began with the Chiefs doing the Wheel of yeah. Fortune huddle, okay. which everybody loves. And it was a beautifully done play. And and I'd like to point out Kadarius Tony has been a really good yeah. pickup for them. Not really. perfect, but you know, obviously yeah. getting the chance to do the stuff that he he can do when he's fit. And then it ended with Detroit basically sealing the game against Green Bay with what I for years and years have reminded people of what a, a flea flicker actually was back in the day. It was, a, it was even back to the single wing offense days. It was a pass to an end, you know, not a wide receiver, an end mm -hmm. who ran basically a button hook. They used to call it in those days. And then 
flipped it to a running back who was trailing him once he caught the ball and flipped it. And they did that with, with St. Brown. Mm-hmm. You know, he ran like a two, two or three yard um, comeback pattern and St. Brown caught it and flipped it all in one move to, to DeAndre Swift, who ran for the first down that pretty much iced the game. You know, and I just thought, A, it's so beautiful to see somebody run that play the way it was you know designed to run. And nobody really seems to run it much anymore. And B, when you want when the game's on the line and you can put the ball in the hands of your two best players <laughs> instead of just one, right? It's twice it's twice Smart as good. Poker. So you know yeah, the way so, the fortune play, the it terrific to watch, right? Yeah, but it was Raiders, number of the Raider Nation, that's Raider Nation we're talking about here, saying it, at that stage of the game, in that particular game where there was nothing on the line for for the Raiders anyway, and um uh, and the game was where did it come in the game? I'm trying to remember what the score early, was. It was early yeah, in the it game. It was fairly early. Yeah, it was, I uh, think it was the first score. That it was. It was the first play, wasn't it? Was it the first play? No, it can't have been yeah. the first play because yeah. they were up by the anyway. Oh, first drive maybe. Okay, the the disrespect that that showed to the Raiders. That's what. No, come on. Up. Yeah, yeah, and and my first tweet, I think, was Bill Barnwell's tweeted something about it and then i responded back to him and said competition committee is going to be all over this one in the offseason <laughs> you know right. I, I just thought hey, let's have some fun yeah you know? I, I agree if, if, but... if you're if you're andy reed i'm sure that's what that's what it was, and i'm sure the players mm. love doing it but the raiders it's... look at it in that way is my point well yeah but well, but you you're know, gonna be pretty is... pissed off if a team does that to you aren't you yeah but you know how do you deal with that stuff the play mm. stuff yeah, the play fair, and then you can fair. feel good you know this is what this is what football's kind of all about you know and everybody talks about the matchups and and this and that but you know mm. but you know you complain about it i think joe burrow said almost exactly the same thing when mm. they were asking him about you know were the bengals being jobbed on the he said i don't care he said you know you got to win the game mm. i don't care we home away neutral side doesn't matter you know you just have to go in and win the game that's how mm. we're, you know, we're we're football players and that's and I, I kind of agree with that and if if Andy Reid can do that and make it work then the Raiders should shut up yeah, yeah, you yeah know? Sure. if you don't like you don't like it then then stop it you know and and I just thought it was it was great fun it was a great design play mm. they nearly stopped the Raiders nearly stopped it but Tony got a kind of half block and broke mm. the the tackle or the guy, the guy who could. And I thought they handled it well, because when you could see, they just sat there and waited to see how they lined up. And then of course the, the chiefs lineup with Mahomes being, you know, back at the, at the halfback slot behind, um, was it McKinnon who took the direct, direct mm-hmm. snap, you know? Um, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I loved that. I mean, it, it made, it made my Saturday night um, when I watched it on, uh, the highlights tape and <laughs> right. and it and it and there's the plea flickers i said made my made my sunday night as i watched it kind of like <laughs> falling asleep and oh wow and it took me another hour to get to sleep after that i was so jazzed <laughs> up <laughs> just went on youtube looking up other flea flickers from decades gone by let's talk about the bengals well comfortable performance against the ravens with a yeah. with a heavy asterisk of course because anthony brown was starting uh at quarterback for baltimore with tyler huntley uh, I'm clear as to why he didn't start. I, I would have thought they're. Prote- I would have thought they're protecting him. Mm. Um, uh, you know, just in case. I'm. I don't. I'm not convinced Lamar Jackson is going to play, and I'm not convinced it's going to make that much of a difference if he mm. does. Um, but it, one of the bad things about this playoff, four of the six games, are rematches of games played in December. Right. Um, and of course, Baltimore and Cincinnati. This is their third 
matchup, Seattle-San Francisco. It'll be their third matchup of the season. Mm. Um, but the Ravens' biggest problem is that they can't throw the ball to a wide receiver. Mm. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. And that was true when Lamar Jackson was playing, even at the beginning of the year when Bateman was, was still That's healthy it, yeah. and, and they had other receivers. They still have a hell of a lot of a problem trying to get the ball outside the the hash marks to toward the sideline. It, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work for them. And that's always going to be a limitation. Now, Andrews wasn't playing. They were, you know, they weren't going to risk him getting hurt because he's their, their top target mm. uh, basically. But I, I think they were willing to, to sacrifice the, sacrifice the spot in the standings because for two reasons one is they know cincinnati and they know they can beat them because they split the the season series Mm -hmm. um and the other one is if if they um um if they hang in and have to go to jacksonville uh, that's actually a better it would have been a better response for them but i think they just Mm. didn't think it was worth it was worth taking risks with the playoff game, knowing that they would have a place, whether they, whether they won or lost. Um, so with the Ravens, not much hope for them because uh, not least because the Bengals are in such good form as well. What will they look to do in the off season? Re-up Lamar, you think almost certainly, and also add uh, a, a top tier receiver. Yeah, that, That's, I mean, the receiver has been there quite, that's why they drafted Bateman, for yeah. example. And I thought that was a good draft pick. I thought they did pretty well. They, they've had receivers go through. Um, I don't criticize them for trading Hollywood Brown. Cause I think Hollywood Brown's a bit overrated. Uh, he's, he's more flash than, than con- consistent delivery. Mm. They have a real, they have a real dis- dilemma. I, I think decision to make, which is, do they stick with that kind of run first uh, single wing offense with Lamar and the running threat they tried to keep him in the pocket more and he got hurt. Um, but you're going to get hurt running. So it's like, that's one of those, you know, de- uh, tiger behind one door and lady tiger behind the other door kind of things. <laughs> um, do they, do they try to get another quarterback and change their offense to accommodate him uh, to a more drop back kind of thing? Or do they stick with Lamar uh, maybe maybe take a running quarter another running quarterback there are a couple out there anthony richardson um springs to mind the guy the kid from florida florida state mm. um who's big tall kind of um great physical prospect you know i i i can't answer that question because i don't know what the thinking is up front, you know, between the front office and 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 Harbaugh, um, as to whether that's what they want to do, but they, you know, it's a major makeover for them. Mm. They, I think you're probably right that they think they'll think that getting another wide receiver will alleviate the problem, uh, but I I think the problem's deeper than that. I think that mm. Lamar has trouble with the with the sidelines. Hundley has trouble with the sidelines. They're just they're not you know. They're not great passers like that. And I and I I think Lamar's a decent passer, you know, but they need to make it easier um for him. Now, whether they do that through the draft, you know, you could draft quarterback and um sign a free agent wide receiver, mm. something like something like that, you know, or um, but it that, that it's a it's a problem. They're Baltimore's funny because they're not as good as they should be, but they're not as bad as people think they are. Sure. They can they can stay in games as well, but their offensive system doesn't let them stay in games the way, say, the Giants does. 
Oh, well, I'm glad that a couple of points connect there. So I want to ask you about Minnesota and New York and that, and that wildcard game. Not as good as they think they are, not as bad as people say they are, could be applied to Minnesota, right? I mean, they're a team that has been getting yeah a lot of criticism all season long. I know we've talked about the statistic, what is it, 11 games now they've won by one score, right? And depends whether you're glass half full or half empty on that one. That I still think that demonstrates that at crucial times, they can be clutch. I don't think it's as much of a negative as some people are suggesting. I agree. I agree with you. I mean, statistically speaking, they're the worst 13 win team in the history of the NFL mm. um, in terms of, you know, everything like yardage and points differential and, and all that kind of stuff. But they're, they're a veteran team in a lot of ways who rebuilt their defense from the Mike Zimmer style and it's kind it's kind of worked as in in the bend but don't break mode mm-hmm. um now it's hard to it's hard to rely on that when you're playing better teams in that sense the giants are a perfect team for them to play mm-hmm. uh, because you know they're not going to generate so much offense that you eventually you have to break or you know um they played in week 16 you know and and it was a three point game as you would mm-hmm. imagine with with the, with the giants and, and viking or with you know with the vikings well both teams because you know they basically did the same thing you know the giants won a lot of a lot of close yeah, games, yeah. Uh, late late touchdowns. Um, they have the best receiver in the NFL in Justin Jefferson, I think. Um, I saw somewhere that they generated more defensive pass interference penalties than any team in the league, which makes mm-hmm. it easy. You know, we saw it. We saw it in um, in London. Uh, they they ran a pass. It was incomplete. Lattimore was covering, if I remember right. Lattimore was covering. Jefferson and mm. the next play they they lined him up split to one side everything else to the other side it was man coverage with Lattimore and Lattimore had gotten away with what I thought was interference on the previous play and I said they're just gonna throw it deep <laughs> and oh, Lattimore's yeah. you know Lattimore's not gonna be able to touch him this time you know and and that's that's what the case the case mm-hmm. was and so that that puts them in into games you know they can run the ball yeah. um Cousins can can throw um he'll he'll make mistakes but he's been pretty good in the fourth quarters of games um you know and get the mistakes out of his system sort of early so so this one i think minnesota you have to think minnesota's the favorite in this one but it's it's basically the perfect matchup for the giants as well it's it's probably about as good as they could have they could have hoped for um and probably better for them than going to tampa yeah right which uh, which as we said that dallas uh may be the most likely uh well, yeah. I say although, bigger name to well, fall. They're the fifth seed in Tampa, the fourth. But Dallas will be. Will yeah, be although Tampa would not be able to run the ball against the Giants. Um, right. You know, the Tampa's running game is awful, and and the Giants are really good up front. It's the strength of that Giants team is the defensive line, basically. Just looking at the early lines, the Cowboys are three point favorites uh, in that yeah. game. Okay, yeah, that's kind of figures. That's that's they're giving Tampa a little bit more than I thought they would. But um, in fact, oh. Three is not is not too bad yeah. in that. Oh, he's already yeah. thinking. I can see that. I can hear the cogs whirring. Let's. Um... What's Minnesota and, and the Giants while oh, you're there? Minnesota. Hang. On, let me go back to it. Uh, Minnesota. Ah, uh, where are we? Minnesota. I'd say the Giants would be getting three as well. Okay. Three you're saying half. the Giants are getting three. Exactly right. Bang yeah. on. Do you want to guess the other lines? Come on. <laughs> sure. Get... Okay. Let's do it. So 49ers hosting the Seahawks. Of course, it's in Tampa. Five and a half. Oh, come on. I had Mike. Five and a half? Yeah. 
10. They're getting 10. 10. <laughs> Go Gino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Char- hey, uh, okay. Charges Jags. Charges Jags. The Jags are getting two and a half. Ooh, the Jags are getting one. It's basically a pick them. Interesting. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Miami heading to Buffalo. Of course, they played a few weeks back and the Dolphins ran them close in Buffalo. Seven and a half. Eleven. <laughs> I love, love, well, the bookies, the bookies are looking for money. This is what Propo <laughs> talks about the early lines. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've done the Giants. And Vikes. Baltimore, Cincinnati. Yeah, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Um, mm, I'd say, I'd, I'd say, Baltimore's getting two and a half. Baltimore's getting six and a half. Six and a half. Six My and God. a half. Yeah, yeah. My God. Yeah. I wonder. I, if that, yeah, that might drop with no. That stages. no. That's probably. That that's te- that's attempting. That's these they're all tempting ones, yeah, aren't they? That's the point to, to go to go against your instincts. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, shows you what I know. Let's talk know. quarterback. Um, quarterback situation as you, as you touched on it a, a moment ago in, with regards to the Ravens, because there was a lot of focus on the Texans uh, and the Bears playing in two games. Of course, really effectively for, for the number one spot in the Texans and Lovey. And, and turns out, of course, Lovey's final game as we expected as as Houston coach. He's the first coach to go uh, in the black. Is it, does it count as Black Monday if it still happens on the Sunday? I don't know. But anyway, Lovey's uh, Lovey's gone. Sadly, we, we knew that was going to happen, but he went out <laughs> swinging. I think it's fair to say. And, it's um, so it's so Houston. I mean, I don't care basically. And I, and I, I started tweeting when Scott Hanson just went on and on and on about it. Houston is not going out there to play for the first mm. pick in the draft, pure sure. and simple period. End of discussion. Forget it. Mm. I mean, it is the most Houston kind of thing you could do to give to, to win at the end <laughs> sure. of the season. But, yeah. um, and, and then he, he kind of backtracked after the show was over and sort of said, mm. you know, these guys are professionals after he had just said, you know, they yeah. shouldn't, have, they shouldn't have tried to win, but these guys yeah. are professionals. They try to win. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, um, um, Somebody, somebody tweeted out the best thing Lovey could have done would be to, to line up for to go for two point conversion and take a knee on the two point conversion. <laughs> yeah, <that'd be> <laughs> it would have put him in the Hall of Fame. Um, so you've got, I think, you know, Lovey class. knew he was out. Lovey knew he Love, was out. Of course, he did. Yeah, he must yeah. have yeah. done. The so. team's playing. The team's playing for themselves and for and for, for Lovey. Him. I think, yeah, because they 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 played hard all season. The touchdown that tied the game was a fluke. It should have been intercepted. Uh, Rodney Thomas, who as we know, went to high school with, with DeMar, um, mm. you know, and had an interception earlier in the game. It went right through his hands and in, into Aikens's yeah. <laughs> hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it well, should have been. the jump wrong, didn't he? Just that little yeah. split second yeah. off. Yeah. It should have been intercepted. So it, it wasn't like the, like the, they, they were there. I don't think, to be honest, the, the only advantage having the number one pick makes in this, this draft in, and in many drafts is that it's a tradable asset for Chicago. Yeah, for I Chicago. Mean, because Houston would have Chicago, taken a, a quarterback, wouldn't they? If Houston, will take, Houston would take a quarterback. Chicago won't. Mm. But someone else might want a quarterback, a specific quarterback, desperately, and therefore trade up with Chicago to take a quarterback. You know, Let me get your the, perspective on this, on that, because we were ca- talking about this on the radio show last night, that there is Garoppolo, there's Carr, there's a lot of need for quarterbacks across the league. There are over over ten teams that you think will make a change at the quarterback sure. position. Sure. It's a quarterback rich draft class, insofar as maybe five will go in the first round. Probably, but, probably, but yeah. whether that's you know ready made starters, whether whether that means there's five guys who can actually come in and play is play uh, for sure. You and know, then Stroud got... Stroud has probably made himself right now the the top pick ahead so of Bryce, Stroud, Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. Yeah. yeah, and then Will um, Levis. 
Levis is probably there. He's got the tools. I think he's probably pretty, still pretty raw. But mm. um, so you've got a lot of needs, and usual thing, not enough to um, to go around. So this is quite an interesting theory that somebody said: if you're a team like Detroit, and particularly off the back of this season and last night, there's a huge amount of affection and buzz for and this offense. Their offense has been great, and Ben Johnson we expect is going to be front and center in terms of head coaching opportunities right so you would think more of the same next season jared goff going into this season it's surely his last year as a starter in the nfl for the immediate short term has parlayed that into good season his probably his best season uh individually since he's been a pro even with that super bowl run with the rams he is likely to remain the starter for the lions but goff's going to be i think exactly the kind of player that could draw a lot of attention and the lions might be one of those teams that thinks right let's move up the draft grab one of these younger quarterbacks and and trade off i i don't think that would make sense for them um Mm. and i don't think dan campbell would want to have to deal with a rookie quarterback as his starter um it would make more sense for them to take a guy a developmental type guy even in say second round uh to bring along as goff's eventual replacement um Mm -hmm. because the the success of the Lions in part, it, it, I think Johnson's gone as a he to me he's got to be one of the head coach top yeah. head coach um, candidates because uh, he's done such a good he took over the play calling from Campbell um, mm-hmm. you know midway just through. past him just past the midway point of last season and the giant and the Lions offense has been really good since since then they've got a great offensive line you know arguably with Philadelphia the best offensive line in the league. Uh, that makes Goff's job a bit a bit easier. They're, they could use another receiver. Um, and remember, they're not drafting toward the top of the draft, <laughs> unusually mm. for them. Um, and they could use they could use some defensive help as well. Hutchinson's was a great was a great draft pick and shows you what you know what how much that that kind of draft pick is worth. So I, I think they use that to try to make the team stronger around Goff. Maybe pick up a, a developmental prospect who can be his replacement, mm. um, and and let it let it play from there. They're they're a team that's pretty much on the rise. You'd, you'd have yeah. to say, and and another another receiver, another pass rusher, or 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 a good linebacker maybe, and maybe help in the secondary or probably mm-hmm. are I think going to be their priorities. Um, again, I would have rather seen them in the playoffs or Green Bay than Seattle, to be honest, um, simply because I don't want to watch another Seattle-San Francisco game. But it, <laughs> sure. I mean, not that it, not that it will be bad. The the other ones have been you know decent, but um, just for uh, change. I mean, having said that, I, I take your point, but looking at the way it's played out in terms of the number one seeds as well, which we haven't emphasized, Kansas City and, and Philadelphia and the AFC and NFC respectively. Does it feel like the right teams, by and large, have made the cut? So Miami, out of those three, that well, was the, you know, based on the season I, as a whole. Yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying, um, but I think I, I think it was last week. Maybe I, I just said, you know, I don't care which of these eight, nine and eight, eight and nine teams get in because I can't see any of them going very far mm. um, in the playoff. You know, you you've got you've got five teams maybe that are. You know, and I'm not even convinced right now about Philadelphia, um, mm-hmm. although they've got, you know, they've got two weeks now to to reorganize. And and when Lane Johnson's out, they're not a winning team. This right. is they, they're like nine and 20, 
won maybe Without they're him. ten now because they won they won this week ten and twenty one or ten and twenty two when he doesn't start. Um, what did Hurts look like to you yesterday in, with his comeback? A bit rusty. Mm. Um, you know, not they didn't look they didn't their offense didn't look like it was in tune. You know, mm. particularly. Um, and I I think they didn't run they didn't run Sanders as much as they probably would because they don't want they didn't want to risk injury um to him and you know the dark horses here i still think the chargers are probably a dark horse um minnesota certainly is is um otherwise i'm not even convinced that dallas even though they're 12 and 5 you know is is at that cap but but i don't see the giants i don't see seattle i don't see miami i don't see baltimore i don't Mm -hmm. see jacksonville putting together a run Mm -hmm. against against you know tampa bay what are going to be yeah tampa as well against what are going to be good good um defensive teams you know and it's funny because the chargers in jacksonville are two very similar teams in a lot of ways although the chargers have pro football focuses greatest coach in the nfl um (laughs) who went out who after not playing his starters in preseason at all because of risk of injury had had Mike Williams and Everyone else yesterday. <laughs> both get hurt in yeah. this game, you know, yeah. for a game that literally had no effect on on what mm. they did in in the were doing in the po- in the postseason, <laughs> and they lost anyway, right? Um, which I had picked. I mean, that's an, another one of my. I just couldn't see them, you know, doing that. But but Staley decided he would, you know, take that risk. And without, you know, in, in the last few weeks, when he when Allen and Mike Williams are both healthy, they're a very mm. dangerous team. Um, they can they can play around their um, the weaknesses you know, in, in their line or uh, or or whatever. But yeah, they they look an awful lot like Jacksonville. You know, Trevor Lawrence is starting to look like the East Coast J- Justin Herbert. You know, um, <laughs> except he still he still makes a lot of mistakes. And you know, in in that game, um, I, I felt kind of sorry for Tennessee because I thought Tennessee played a really good game. You know, they they probably did as good as well as they could have done. Uh, in that game. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm not convinced that Josh Dobbs fumble was a fumble. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if it was, it was about as close as you can get to not being an incomplete pass. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Just you have that motion. You felt that he was. Yeah, it was not I, I thought there. I thought he was still in motion with the mm. ball going forward. But they, you know, they ran that. Um, Lawrence missed an open touchdown. Right. To Zay Jones. Mm. We're, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah getting alone and they also ran one of doug peterson's kind of you know philly special jacksonville special kind of place which was like a fake rpo end around you mm-hmm. know where where so he's got the back and and he's got and of course they, they missed the pitch the timing. Got, yeah. got that. and that should have been a, that should have been a fumble six you know yeah. and and um well they still got the touchdown out of it so it's not like it was a big a big thing but um yeah, you know, I, I just I just think Jack, that that showed you about the level that Jacksonville's at, you know, um, and mm-hmm. Tennessee didn't really wasn't really able to to um, put together much much offense. Um, and their defense isn't quite good enough to to win those kind of games for them. So, yeah, I, I think I think you got to you got to figure the charges over Jacksonville probably Dallas over Tampa but as you say that that's kind of the one that would would bother you if you're looking and probably Minnesota over the Giants uh, the the other one that that could Seattle at San Francisco although I think San Francisco is right now the best team in the league well yeah at least in the NFC in the NFC um you know you you still want you still don't necessarily want to send a quarter a rookie quarterback out against um 
you know, the Buffalo or or Kansas City defense, especially if they're going to let Buffalo's linebackers climb up guys' faces. Well, here we go. Okay. And take, take their take their face masks off, you know. And, um, yeah, if the, if the Patriots had taken the face masks off, you know, it wouldn't have made any difference in the game. <laughs> um, but but um, <laughs> um, I, I think otherwise, you know, Shanahan won't get any votes, I don't think, for coach of the year. But given all the injuries oh, they had on, on defense and on offense, you know, and – um, given that they've gone this far with a rookie quarterback, an unheralded rookie quarterback who mm-hmm. actually looks pretty good, although Scott Hansen was saying that he looked like a you know all star kind of thing. Well, you know, it's it's like what do they do with it? What do they? What do you think they'll do? Like, does a lot depend on the next couple of weeks in terms of what? They <laughs> well, do? yeah how how how's Trey how how's Trey Lance progressing there on the, <laughs> sure. on the injury rehab? Yeah. Um, well, Jimmy G is gone anyway. We know that um, yeah. because that's what that's what the deal was. Because um, Purdy is going to have quite high value if he Purdy, performs well in the play. They're not going to get rid of him. That's for sure. They've, they've invested so much in Trey Lance that. Well, but they've got them both still cheap. I mean, mm. relatively cheap mm-hmm. speaking, uh, Purdy, real cheap. So you know, mm. if, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep Purdy even as a backup, you know, yeah. you would. You might uh, as well, yeah. Given also given Lance's injury history, but I think you know at the moment Purdy has to go in as the starter. You but know, you know, although... just on my con- just on that, if you've got a, a situation just like this one where a, a backup comes in, plays X number of games credible his stock rises everybody thinks yeah okay so he's a real deal he can start in the nfl and then it's as he were next season the guy that you drafted high is put in a starter yeah it makes economic sense to keep purdy as the backup because what you're paying in peanuts relatively speaking but then he plays a whole season as a backup the stock can never to be full so isn't there an argument to say sell high on a player like this when well, what's go- i think it? what's going to happen if if <laughs> If the Niners win the Super Bowl, or even if they get there, <laughs> you can't you can't sell Birdie. No, sure, basically. Sure. Um, but what could happen is that along the playoff route, he's going to have a rookie game. Mm. You know, if he doesn't, it's a great argument for just naming him your starter and and leaving him go because he hasn't played like a rookie. That's been that's been the big thing. They've made mm. it easier for him. It's a system, you know, that a quarterback can can function easily in, but. He's looked better than Jimmy G in a lot of ways, especially against the rush, you know, and being able to 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 hold in to hold in and you know still still make things happen and or get rid of the ball without you know getting hit. So I, I think if he has that rookie game, that then people will kind of reset their their expectations of him for next year, and then maybe maybe that's the point where you can you could get something in return. But you're not going to trade him with mm. Trey Lance being a huge question mark, both injury wise and and quality wise. You know, he's never he hasn't proven himself in the chances that he has mm. had of being ready for you know for, as an NFL quarterback. Which you know when you think about it, the difference between North Dakota State and Iowa State shouldn't be that huge. I mean, yes, you're playing a much easier kind of schedule in terms of the defenses you face at, at the FCS level. But, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota State lost to Iowa this year, 7-3. North Dakota State beat Arizona in their first, or sorry, lost to Arizona by three in the um, first week of the season. The, diff, the, the distance shouldn't be that great. Carson Wentz came out and played as a rookie from North mm-hmm. Dakota State. Um, but Lance hasn't been able to, and in fairness mm-hmm. to Lance, he didn't have a whole lot of playing time because of Definitely, COVID. Yeah, sure. You know, he he had his freshman year, he took them to an undefeated season, and then he's he only played dribs and drabs ever since. So mm. all the stuff that we say about 
Lamar or about Jalen Hurts, you know, would apply to Lance, except Lance doesn't have a mm. um, NFL history uh, to play up to at that, at that point. So therefore he's, he's going to be down devalued quite a bit. Mike, one more foot before we get out of Dodge. Sean Nick Mullins is still around. He was playing yeah. this week. <laughs> Nick Mullins, always great. It's always reassuring to see Nick Mullins. And of course, Nate Peterman. Uh, in the mix. Sorry, I think somebody was out there. There's Scott Kasmer was out there saying, you know, Peterman, uh, more than two interceptions. Um, I think it was 2.5 was the interception line was the best bet of the week. And, uh, and I don't think he threw, you don't, don't think he threw more than Well, because they yanked, they get spelling it with. Um, yeah. yeah. The <laughs> they didn't guy. give him the chance. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The uh, Sean McVay is the last thing I want to ask you about. Do you think he's going to walk away from the Rams? Do a Gruden. It, it would be my, yeah, would, would be my guess right. and go in, go into a commentary booth at least for a year or two. Um, mm. you know, just to, um, it's not a great situation. I mean, it's a challenge. If he's the kind of coach who rises to a challenge, um, they're going to be a real challenge. You have decisions to make about, you know, salary cap problems, um, about Stafford. You know, I think Baker Mayfield had a Baker Mayfield game, right? What was he? He was 13 to 26, 147, no touchdowns and an interception. It was a, a true Baker Mayfield game against Seattle. But since Cam Akers came back healthy, their offense has been better. Um, you know, that's what they were missing in a sense, you know, was that double threat back, mm. um, which a which Akers is and, yeah. and which, you know, McVeigh's offense kind of needs um to to be really to be really effective. And wouldn't that be a twist if Cam Akers is the guy that keeps convinces <laughs> McVeigh to stay? Yeah. Well, you know, McVeigh could go to the booth and they could hire Bill Belichick from because um, <laughs> Belichick needs another challenge. I mean, I, I think this one um this one's been so self-defeating uh you know if, if i were him i'd be i know he won't um you know because he he thinks he think he's starting to remind me now of don shula or george hallis the two guys who you know he's up there in the in the total wins category with you know in, in just hanging on too long mm -hmm. um because you you know you 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 know the game and you think you can you can meet the game but but you start having problems uh shula lost you know bill arnsparger for example um you know his defensive guru um he couldn't really the the offense was so Marino centered they couldn't they couldn't get things going. Hallis never could judge quarterbacks all his career, um, and that that was like their fatal flaw. They won mm. the one championship with Billy Wade. Um, That's John that, Elway. You can hear saying, "Hold my beer." By the way, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and you, you know, think I just, the record matters to Belichick. I think it does. To be honest, I, I think. Um, I mean, it's not it's not what's keeping him coaching. He's coaching because he's a coach. Um, and it's what he does. And and I think as frustrating as this season should have been for him, I think in, you know, when it comes over, he'll he'll just want he'll just want to be coaching another year. And hopefully he hires somebody who can coordinate an offense. You know, mm -hmm. they and and the funny thing is the offense actually ran fairly well against Buffalo. You know, they they were calling better set of plays. And and I, I think I think Mac Jones is has revealed a number of limitations, um, which a good coach can coach around, you know, which Josh McDaniels coached around um, and made his life, you know, just like we said with Brock Purdy, made his life easier for him, mm. his, you know, his, his reads and stuff without running the offense down to coloring book level. Um, when you look at the playbook and, you know, and, and Matt Patricia's, you know, 
yellow and blue and I'd imagine it was mainly monochrome given as his pencil, but maybe he's got color pencils. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Yeah. I mean, that's an experiment that should have been, you know, pushed mm. aside in, in the second week of the season. And, mm. But, but you knew it wasn't going to be because he didn't go out and hire anybody. Mm. Um, a young, younger offensive kind of mind um, mm. who he, who he might've, might've brought in just to, just for some new input. And I think this is the other thing that happens as you get older, you, you, you stick with what you're comfortable with and sure. and you know and and one of the things critics would argue is that bill's comfortable with guys who do what they're told you know who mm. who basically don't challenge stick, stick with the plan don't don't mm. challenge him don't try to don't try to change it because he knows more about football than anybody which is probably true yeah. um but you know i i don't know i mean i i I can't. I can't. I can't see Bill leaving. I can see McVeigh leaving, mm. um, because he's young. He's got. He's going to have more opportunities, obviously. And God, you know how easy it is to do television. Oh um, my God! I mean, it's when, a walk in the park. Yeah, I'm like, when they, when you're if, they, with... if if they want to make it easy for you, yeah, it, it, it can be very. It can be very easy. <laughs> yeah, you know? as I found out the last the yeah, last fifteen years. <laughs> if they don't, if they don't want to hire you, then yeah. you know you can always go to coaching. But. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, uh, Patreon, of course, you call him out every week, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, FMTE. Make sure you get involved with that. Subscribe <laughs> to that at Carlson Sports. That's how you follow the big man on Twitter. Look after yourself. Get set for wild card weekend. Super, wild super card. it's now super wild card weekend. Super uh, wild you know, card. Yeah, you know, I, I think it would be a whole lot easier if, if every team played 32 games and we let okay. 20, 24 teams into the let playoffs. And then and then the NFL season could go from August till June. I love it. Um, and, <laughs> love you know, it. And, and, and everybody would be happy because more is always better. It's, always it's better. Like, I'm going to get you a job at FIFA, Mike, and you can uh, you can work on the World Cup expansion. <laughs> Infantino. <laughs> I could see you with a suit and trade a combo. Look after yourself, bud. Check it out. Take care. Yep. Okay, mate. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.